Welcome back to WitGift Conversations. This is the podcast where we talk to staff and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. Now, you might be interested in the history of the school, maybe you're not, but either way, I think you're going to be interested in this episode. I'm talking to Bill Wood. He's the archivist for WitGift School and the John WitGift Foundation. You might be wondering what an archivist is and what they do. Well, Bill's going to explain all that and a whole lot more too. I love this episode for two reasons. Firstly, you can tell that Bill loves the work that he does. He's deeply passionate about all things historic in the organisation. But Bill also has a velvet smooth voice, and it's just one of those voices you can kind of listen to and sort of feel instantly relaxed. But enough from me. Instead, let's jump into some Whitgift history as we speak to the amazing archivist, it's Bill Wood. Bill, thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. How are you today? Not at all bad, thank you. Absolute pleasure to join you on this podcast. Well, it's great to talk to you too. Now, we're recording this online and I can see from your background that you're in the archive search room at school. Just for the sake of people listening, though, can you describe some of the things that you can see around you? Oh, well, looking behind me, uh, and I haven't got eyes in the back of my head, but a beautiful painting of a, a former old boy of the school, Lionel Morris, and his observer, Tom Rees, unfortunately shot down by the Red Barrow in the first official kill. Uh, of the Baron, and he had a little schnapps cup made uh, with the name of the aircraft and the date, uh, and that was the first of about eighty kills. Gosh, so well, it's rather unfortunate. But we, we, we mm. this painting we we've got, which is fantastic, was used at our World War One exhibition back in uh, two thousand and sixteen, start of seventeen. But elsewhere, round the the archive search room, we have display cabinets ranging from the architect who designed the Hoover Dam and some of his work through to um, a plaque that's up on the wall in front of me or slight to one side of me, which was actually designed by an old boy of the school, Gilbert Lee Marks, in fact. And Gilbert Lee Marks was a world-class silversmith. He didn't live very long, sadly, but he was absolutely renowned for his silversmithing and his works, which often were handcrafted, although he had students working with him. Um, and it's a, a really an exquisite piece of work. He always puts a floral decoration into his work, and they're highly collectible today. Um, we have a bowl that John Whitgift used, so that's going back to the 1600s, late 1596, 1600s, when he established the almshouses in Croydon. So we have lots of little bits and pieces dotted around, everything from photographs, framed photographs, to, as I say, the, the bowl that he would have used with the inmates and the, the residents of the almshouses. Uh, it's lovely just to be able to see that. Well, it strikes me then it's a perfect place for us to record the podcast today. Bill, tell me though, have you always lived in the Croydon area? Or I'm presuming that you live in the Croydon area right now, or at least cl close to school. Were you born and brought up in the area? I was indeed, yes, in uh, nearby Addiscombe or East Croydon area. And I've always lived here. And I always think somebody has to. <laughs> Never been tempted to go and live elsewhere at all? No, no, not really. I mean, it's like anywhere. It's what you make of it. But it's also got a lovely history to it. And that's, I think, an attraction for me. So which school did you go to then? It's actually turned into an academy now, but it was um, Stanley Technical School in South Norwood. Mm -hmm. um, it was a trade school originally, and it was uh, designed and created by William Ford Stanley. Not the Stanley tools that you hear about, the, the tools for DIY, but measuring tools way back in 1800, late 1800s, 1900s. So there's a bit of history there, and I was always fascinated by, by that aspect. 
and he lived just behind the school at one time. And tell me a little bit about your career. I mean, what have you done in your career to date? Well, my early career, I I went to art college, both at Croydon and uh, Camberwell School of Arts, as it was. Very practical in those days, very sort of hands-on from bookbinding to illustration to etching, typography, the old method of typography, the lead shot. Um, And after that, I went into publishing for a short while. Eventually went into the Home Office in London in their, what was their design studio? which is unheard of today. I, was, I came in as a layout artist stroke technical illustrator, um, and that was around about 1978, beginning of 79, and spent about 18 years there working on everything. Well, I can't say too much, obviously, for um, security reasons. I think I've still got the um, Secrets Act that I signed, but basically mm-hmm. it's reports from everything from the police to the fire service to... Any organisation that are involved directly or indirectly with the Home Office, government services. Mm, mm. So I got to meet a lot of really amazing people, quite a few Home Secretaries over the years. And then how did you step into the wonderful world of Whitgift in that case? Well, unfortunately, our what was our design studio was eventually taken over by the stationery office, who were part of the government services in the day. But the stationery office was broken up. And our section became fewer and fewer until we ended up being taken over by, I think it was at least two other companies. Uh, And eventually I was made redundant. I was walking out of the door, I think, on the Friday and the following week, well, certainly within the week, I'd seen an advert for Wickiff School looking for somebody who um, was able to help with their IT issues, which was basically their design technology section, which had a large colour printer and a range of scanners and Apple Mac systems. And I'd come from a studio system where I'd set it up for my department. Mm -hmm. So I was used to Apple Macs really early on. I was used to scanning and printing. And I was able to transfer my skills, I think, in that direction. And fortunately, the gentleman who ran the design technology section had a real uh, abiding interest in the First World War and was a collector of memorabilia. And he took an interest once I'd said that I also had an interest in history, mainly the Second World War, uh, the Battle of Britain period in particular, and the Blitz. And I think we gelled, and I think I was offered the job within the week. So that's, that's how I started out. What year was this? 2001, when I started in the summer of 2001, so the boys had all gone off on their holidays or whatever, and the staff had broken up. So I was left with our um, technology head uh, or manager at the time and one other member of staff. And we just worked throughout the summer. And I, I think I learned on the job. It was a bit of a, well, it was a broad learning experience going back to school. Having got, got away from school, I ended up back in. But the head at the time was obviously new of my interest in history my interest in croydon and and schools and so forth um but also my design skills which he was able to make use of at the start so gradually there was a transition from it as a support into the archive and my predecessor who many years ago had set all this up um he had finally decided he wanted to retire and I was asked one day out of the blue, did I or did I have an interest in taking over the archive? 
and I didn't hesitate. And clearly the answer was yes. yes. Oh, yes, no hesitation. It says a lot for my IT skills, probably, but um, (laughs) 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 their loss was my gain. So tell me then, some schools have an archivist, some schools have somewhere to store all of this, and they are rich in history. Other schools, not so. But why do you feel it's important for a school like Whitgift to have an archive? Well, I think... Certainly with a school like Whitgift that really can trace its history back to um, 1600, certainly. In a way, without that, without that history being put somewhere, it's so easy to lose it. it. It could disappear. And it's vital, I think, that somewhere like Whitgift, which has a really comprehensive history and has a, a lot of old boys of the school who still remain in contact, many of them remain in contact over the years. And it, it's nice to know that that history is still being retained and records of the school, and in this case, the Whitgift Foundation as well, or the John Whitgift Foundation. I very much agree with you, and I imagine that the people listening to this would agree with that as well, that it's important to retain that, not just for Whitgift School and the John Whitgift Foundation, but but in all parts of life. But I'm, I'm just, there's a, part, a small part of me that's challenging that a little bit and wondering why it is important to remember the history and why we don't just focus on today and moving forward. It's a much bigger question outside of Whitgift. Why do you think it's important for us to retain that history? It goes back to, in a way, I think comments somebody made many years ago said, we have to look back to look forward. And from that, the understanding is that if you didn't know about the early history of an organisation like Whitgift, because we are an organisation, although we're a school as well, how would you move forward not knowing how it evolved over the centuries in this case? And we over 425, 430 years of history. Um, and also the way I see it and my colleague David says, we're custodians. To us, being an archi- archivist is about being a custodian. It is not ours. That property is not ours. It is for those coming forward in the future. It's about retaining that sense of history you don't just turn up you know like anything you evolve like any organization you evolve early beginnings and as you you grow like a tree basically so what's actually in the archive tell us what's actually in there then well we've, we've got a range of items um we go from our own school history which can be anything from our old school magazines, the Whitgiftian or the Whitgift as it used to be called. And that's back to the early 1800s. And we go through from that to various publications that the school had produced over the years, whether it's a magazine, whether it's a small scale publication, whether it's a programme for an event, maybe a concert or a play through to sets of the records. In in this case, we're fortunate that we have extensive records. We have accounts books going back to the 1800s or earlier. We've got the records of the foundation as well, which is how the school started. So the school was sort of came from the foundation in effect. Um, we, We also have the records of our Whitgifting Association, the Old Boys Association. So we have Mm -hmm. newsletters, programmes and events that took place. Only recently I received through the post um, a set of programmes or or accounts from about 1928, 1929. They were actually for their annual dinners. So it was, I think, in one case, it's the 21st annual dinner of the old Whitgifting Rugby uh, group. And... 
one in particular was signed in pencil by all the old boys who were at this event. So it's fantastic to be able to hold that program in front of you and see something that, you know, in 1928, 29, these boys were sitting down to dinner in some area in Croydon, one of the old hotels of its day. And little would they realise that all these years later, I now have a copy of that programme that they signed, and it's in the archive. Uh, we also have records of, uh, obviously, the Foundation, and they really are part of history. They are invaluable, irreplaceable, because they will be deeds, covenants, um, records of purchases of land made not only by John Whitgift, but those who came after him and the Foundation themselves. We also have, surprisingly for many, the records, or many of the records, of the what we call the old Chromian Association. That was actually Chromehurst School, which became part of the John Whitgift Foundation, changing its name to Old Palace School, or Junior School of John Whitgift in this case. But we have a lot of their photographs, from their, virtually from the start, but also the most beautiful set of records, if you like, produced by the girls. They were annual form books. And I think we've probably got virtually every one from the late 8080s through to round about 1990, I think. Many illustrated, all handwritten, such beautiful documents. Strange enough, girls' schools, probably more than boys' schools, produce these. Boys' schools, I think, I, I don't know why, but not to the same level. Although we do have a beautiful, um, I think it was about 1918, a book, a, uh, a scrapbook of boys' artwork. Unfortunately, it was volume five. It's only one of the five left. But they're beautiful. And some of the names I look at now and I think, gosh, those boys, if only they knew that their artwork would live on. It's incredible, isn't it? And, and then you can think about the boys currently doing their artwork, then maybe there's, in 100 years' time, there's been, going to be an opportunity for other people, yeah. not just to look at their artwork, but, you know, all aspects of school It's life. researching these old boys, which is incredible. You know, their, their histories, if you like, their, their own lives. And that goes back to the collections. If you don't collect material like that, then that little bit of history would be lost for all time. The many is a case where, where I've heard I might have a phone call from an elderly lady who said, oh, I wish I'd, I'd known that you collected these things because my late husband, he died, say, last month or last year, I threw out his medals. And, and this was one case which uh, horrified me. Oh, gosh. Because oh, no, no. she thought oh, no. nobody would be interested. It's almost better not to know about that sort of Sometimes thing, Sometimes it? it is. Yes, it's very sad, but th this is what happens. And some people don't realise that that slip of paper produced in a school might be nothing now, but in 50 or 100 years' time, it will be a vital piece of the school's history and its evolution, if you like. So what opportunities are there to see any of this collection, either by coming along to the archive search room, or is there, I mean, is there an opportunity for anyone to see any of this online? At the moment, sadly, no. And we were hoping, perhaps in the very near future, we may be able to put a lot of material on the website, or a website. Certainly, Wicked Foundation are trying to record some material that we have. And actually, our uh, Wicked for All, an organisation within the school, they are now putting some of our material into documents or into a, a newsletter that they produce. So we're able to gradually add items so people can see them. 
As far as visiting, obviously, for research purposes, people can book a visit. Uh, we would we'd love to see the boys coming in. Uh, more recently, we've had a few of the younger lads who have turned up and asked if they could see the archive. And that's fantastic. These are the boys who we hope maybe in the future will be historians or fellow archivists. So, you know, again, it's evolving. And that's that's what we love. Or people can write to us and, you know, we we have done and I've certainly done recently provided information maybe on the death of an old boy or maybe on his life, what he did 50 or 100 years ago. So there's a lot of opportunities. And also with teaching staff, you know, we always say, come along and have a chat with us because you never know what we might be able to show you or provide copies of. Usually we never give out originals being an archive or very rarely, how you can take something from the archive and put it into one of your lesson plans. And they don't always think that, that yeah, there actually is something that the boys would really like. Uh, we've had boys uh, oh, some time ago now, but one of the teachers came along and she said, is there an opportunity for a couple of our boys to come along and have a look at maybe the history of a teacher from the past? And we were able to show this uh, this little group, just the two boys, or maybe four, I think, in the end, we were able to show them some of our records from about 1900, I think it was, when we were in our old school in central Croydon. We moved here in 1931. And it was a teacher who'd come from the north of England, I believe, and he was a son of a farmer. And for whatever reason, he, he made his way down south and ended up as a chemistry teacher here at the school in the 1900s and they were fascinated because there was the records from our old school magazines and we had some documents we were able to show and they evolved a little package from it which they could they were writing up a brief history on this gentleman and were able to use family history as well because that's the other angle from an archivist can be many and varied one of my real passions if you like is to introduce people to family history because many of us don't actually do much about our family history until we're sometimes in our 40s or 50s often losing family members along the way and you can never ask them about their lives again so record yeah, it when yeah. you can and that again is trying to introduce this to the students trying to introduce this to the staff as well you never know how it will turn out bill Possibly my last question. Uh, I'm just thinking that it, it, today in sort of 2022, 2023, it's kind of easier than ever to record information yeah. because we've all got our smartphones. So we've all got the ability to record things. But do you think that there's a danger that these days we don't value those things that we record? And at a family level, I'm sure everyone listening to this uh, when they were younger can remember family photo albums. But of course, we don't really print things anymore. We keep them on our phones and then we change our phones and then we lose those pictures forever. Yeah. So, so on the one hand, it's kind of a strange situation where we've got the ability to retain so much more. But on the other hand, we value, it seems like we value it less, therefore we don't retain it. I think you're quite right. Uh, and that is a, a real concern for archives. Certainly archives of the future. We, we no longer seem to have the three-dimensional materials that we had from the past. Things like medals that used to be awarded. We have many medals, school medals. Uh, little, almost like, you could almost call them trinkets in a way, and by today's standard. But 
they were something that of great value from years ago. And I think it is important that digital material is recorded, kept. PDFs, the, the standard these days. PDFs are one of those things which we value because if we haven't got the original, we have a copy and we keep that copy. We love paper. We love paper records. But because the way things are evolving, everything is moving to digital. And there is a fear that a lot of that material will disappear. And also, people don't realise its value in the same way. If you take a digital photograph, which you obviously mentioned, it doesn't record who that person is in the photograph. And unless they print it out, we may never know. And we don't get those printed images. We don't get the um, the lovely old photographs that we have. We've got, oh, maybe 2,000 or more photographs board-mounted with names on that have been handwritten by the photographer right through from the 1900s to the 50s, 60s. You don't get that now. No, of course. Yeah, we, we all know what that's like when you look at a photograph and you're wondering who the pic who the people are in the picture and then you turn it over, an old photo, and then you see the names of the people on It's like, ah, oh, it just opens everything up. Yeah, and it, and it actually, I think today because of television and because of who do you think you are on the BBC, for instance, people suddenly, we all get phone calls or letters suddenly come in. People then suddenly realising, oh, Actually, I should have asked great aunt Maisie or great uncle Ted more about their lives. And, and that is where family history is so important now than ever before. Bill, it's amazing to hear all of this. And it's really encouraging as well to hear that the collection is being added to as, as people get in touch and send things into you. If anyone's listening to this right now and maybe they're thinking, oh, I've got something here, it could be of use, then how could they get in touch with either you or the school regarding well, that? Well, they, they can write to me just write to the archivist at Whitgift School if they can't remember my name or Bill Wood or William Wood archivist Whitgift School uh, and the address and it will find its way to me always put in that you're making a donate a permanent donation by the way because one of the biggest fears is that somebody can come back in 10 20 years time or a family and say can we have this back and that's not something which is easy to do so it's always a per consider a permanent donation rather than loan if you really are worried as a you know if you're hearing this you're worried that you won't see this particular photograph again we can always find a way of taking a scan of it if you really want to you keep the original and we'll have the copy but we would love the original and we're also crying out for anything like that any records paper any documentation film especially we, we are lacking in film people took videos years ago we don't really see much of that. Very little material like that comes to us. Old Super 8 and Standard 8 film, which many people won't even remember probably, but um, anything like that, slides, negatives even, if they haven't got the prints, we are more than happy to receive. Fantastic. So much opportunity. Bill, it's been really good talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for your time, Simon. Thank you. So that was Bill Wood with a silky smooth voice coming to us today from the archive search room. Bill, so good to talk to us. I loved that you gave up that time on a Friday afternoon to speak to me. Don't forget, if you have anything you even think might be of value to the collection, then do get in touch with Bill. He would love to hear from you. In the meantime, though, our next episode is coming out soon. So thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.